I'm Bob Cudmore, and you're listening to Talk of the Town on Magic 590, also heard on 100.5 FM. Joining us is Kathy Sheehan, the mayor of Albany. You can send in your questions uh, to the mayor. Ask Kathy with a K at albanyny.gov. Lots of uh, questions this week about the snow, uh, Mayor Sheehan. Basically, how did the the city fare in the snowstorm? Well, I think we did really well. I mean, our crews at the Department of General Services just do incredible work. I mean, you think about the fact that they work 12-hour shifts when we have a storm, and they're out there just pushing snow. We had the storm uh, that that occurred over the weekend uh, that followed an 11-inch storm, um, and then over the weekend, we had a storm that dropped, you know, on Sunday, an inch to an inch and a half an hour, um, which just requires constant plowing. So I think they did a tremendous job. And can you answer this question, approximately how many cars were ticketed and towed? So for the first snow emergency that we declared, there were approximately 250 total um, both days that were ticketed and towed. So, um and let's walk through the process because even though it's, you know, simple or at least simple to explain, uh, it, it catches people off guard and, um, you know, there, there usually is a certain amount of frustration uh, with this. Um, let me ask what uh, factors does the city consider in determining whether to call the snow emergency? Well, I mean, we really look at a number of factors, including how much snow has fallen. But then we also look at what were the conditions prior to the storm. um, And we consider what are the temperatures? um, You know, is it going to warm up? So there are a number of things that we look at. But mainly we have to assess, are the streets passable? And so we have on-street parking in the city of Albany. This isn't like the suburbs where everybody has a driveway. Mm -hmm. And so people park in some cases on one-way streets on both sides of the street. And if those streets become impassable because so much snow has piled up, then we have to take that into consideration in determining whether we declare a snow emergency. And typically, Albany declares its snow emergency after the storm ends or when the snow stops falling or is near to stopping falling. And other cities do it a little differently, I believe. But is that how you do it in Albany? That's right. I mean, other places where you have a place to park your car during the snowstorm, it would be ideal if we had all cars off the street while it was snowing. Then we could push the snow um, you know, much further and be able to clear the snow out. In Albany, that's just not possible. Uh, so we have to wait until after the snow stops falling. We're focused on getting the streets cleared during the storm. And then once the snow stops falling, again, we do that assessment of the conditions and we declare a snow emergency. Now, we try to give at least 12 hours notice before that snow emergency, Mm -hmm. and that gives us the opportunity to go in. We have lots that are available uh, for people to park in during snow emergencies. We have to clear those lots so that people can move their cars, and then we start a snow emergency at 8 p.m. at night, and we prefer to clear the snow at night, as much of it as we can at night, so that we're not dealing with traffic and, you know, it's just typically an easier time and a safer time for us to get in and, and clear out that snow. And a number of people 
still, with all these explanations, and you do talk on the media quite a bit about the snow emergency, or you certainly did in this case, uh, somehow a lot of people still don't get the word or are confused. You know, And I guess I just put in a little sympathy for them. I mean, you know, it's it's a frustrating. You know, there's a snowstorm. They've been working. They come home, let's say, and they don't know where to park their car or their car's sitting on one side of the street. Maybe it's covered with snow. I mean, can, can they even move it? I mean... How do you get the word out? Right. And, you know, that is the challenge of living in the Northeast and living in the city of Albany. Often you've got to be prepared uh, to dig your car out and make sure that uh, you have what you need in order to be able to move that car. The rules are that we have 24 hours. So from 8, 8, 8 p.m. And one on the night that the snow store, the snow emergency begins until 8 p.m. the following night, you park on the even side of the street. And then you move over to the odd side of the street for the second day, and we come in and we clear out snow. Again, we're not just plowing snow. We have to bring in front loaders and dump trucks and literally carry the snow out of the city because there isn't any place for it to go. We don't have uh, enough sidewalk space. So we're taking down, for example, um, you know, large uh, snow banks that build up. Uh, so just because it looks like it might be plowed, we may very well be coming back to take even more snow out, especially if we're anticipating new snow. Since I do live in a suburb, you know, where I have a driveway, um, th- this harks back to my years when I lived in Boston. And this happened to me a number of times. My car was towed. Uh, if your car is towed, where do you go? Or I mean, how do you get it back? And it, it, I've, I've gathered from watching on the TV news, some of the people they interviewed, is, is it like a flat, it costs $135 or it, it costs a, a bit of money to get your car back? Yes. Well, and again, you know, that is money that goes to the towing company. Uh, and there is, we do ticket in, in that instance. Um, because, you know, we really want people to move their cars. It takes us so much time. We don't just go in and tow. We will uh, alert a street. We have our officers often knocking on doors. We want people to move their cars. It takes a tremendous amount of time and resource to actually tow those cars. But if you have the unfortunate experience of having your car towed, you call 438-4000, and you can find out what lot it's been towed to and then go and get the car out. Okay. Um, And why doesn't the city remove snow from every street? during a snow emergency? Well, we attempt to move, remove the snow from our main thoroughfares and from streets where there is uh, obstruction, where you can't get down the street, an emergency vehicle can't get down the street. We have 670 streets in the city of Albany. And when we do these snow emergencies, we have to call in additional trucks. I mean, understandably, and we shouldn't, it would be a waste of of time and resource, uh, have the number of dump trucks, for example, available to be able to haul this snow out. And so we bring in uh, trucks, and it is an expensive endeavor. And so we, again, assess um, and we get feedback from our plow drivers as to where the most significant areas are. But if you have a concern about your street, even after a snow emergency, that you think that snow needs to be removed, please don't hesitate to call 434 City. And we will go out and um, clear the snow and make sure that a street is passable. We want to know. So if we've missed a street, if you think that your street is not passable, please call 434 City. 
And well, maybe you address this, but why does the city remove snow mainly at night, or is it always removing snow at night? We really try to keep it mainly to nighttime simply because it's safer. You don't have people who are commuting back and forth from work or getting the kids to school. You know, during the day when there's traffic on the street, the operation, if you've ever seen it, of removing snow is pretty incredible we just have dump trucks lined up and front loaders ready to go and they're moving snow and it's just uh you know these are big vehicles on Mm -hmm. residential streets so we try to do it at night well uh let's move on to uh, some other topics here this in a way to me relates uh, about being mayor um, kind of a well-known political figure in Albany County, the controller Mike Connors has moved back to the city. Says he's not interested in, in joining the group now. You know, considering running for mayor, Connors says he wouldn't wish the mayor alty on anyone. And now you've been in office for some time. People have protested some of your speeches. There's been frustration as we're talking now about the city snowstorm policy. How do you like the job? Well, I I love public service. You know, this is a job that you take because you want to help your community. And I enjoy having the opportunity to uh, interact with our residents, to really empower our neighborhoods in in communicating with government, understanding how government works and how we can work together together to improve quality of life in every neighborhood. So certainly there are challenges with this job and uh, there are not, there are oftentimes where people aren't happy. Uh, but I, again, I, I, I love the opportunity to serve. Joining us is Kathy Sheehan, the mayor of Albany. Uh, mayors from around the state uh, held a meeting this past week and most of them spoke out against Governor Andrew Cuomo's proposal to tie state aid for municipalities uh, to developing proposals on a municipal level for local consolidation of services and cutting down, I presume, expenses. You were at the meeting. Are you also, uh, as many of the mayors, against this plan proposed by the governor? Well, I attended the New York Conference of Mayors meetings. I'm on the executive committee for the conference. There was a press conference that a number of mayors attended that I did not attend that was very critical of the municipal agreements, the consolidation proposal that's in the governor's budget. Look, I can understand that, you know, local leaders like me get a little bit frustrated because we are constantly working to cooperate with other municipalities to ensure that we are doing all that we can to save money for our taxpayers. And I think some of those mayors feel as though the governor doesn't recognize that. But I also know that there is more that we can do. And I think there's some confusion about the proposal. The tie-in to AIM is uh, really more of a procedural tie-in associated with how the budget gets passed. It does not mean that if your municipality doesn't pass a proposal that you won't get your aim. Um, so it is It is not a direct link. You know, the county executive and I, Dan McCoy and I, work very closely together. And we have initiatives that are underway now that we were going to do irrespective of whether the governor had this requirement in his budget proposal. And we are going to move forward with those opportunities for savings. And we will be more than happy to include them in a proposal that is consistent with the governor's plan 
with respect to this legislation? Now, AIM is the uh, is an acronym for the program by which the state grants money to the municipality. Right. It's our unrestricted aid. So schools get unrestricted aid and then cities get unrestricted aid. And I think I, you know, we should address an obvious point. I mean, you in particular are... Um, you know, don't want to tick off the governor, I would think, because <laughs> you've got this proposal. You want uh, $12.5 million more in more aid from the governor and the legislature. Well, certainly I've been advocating to the governor on behalf of the residents of the city of Albany for what it is that we need in order for the capital city to have a balanced budget. And I think that the proposal that is in the governor's budget is consistent with what we have already told the state that we are looking to do over the next three years to find opportunities to consolidate, to find opportunities to reduce our costs. And so I think it's aligned with uh, what we've talked to the governor about and the state budget office about. Let's call this a question higher calling. A member of the Sisters of St. Joseph in a letter to the Times Union has endorsed uh, your support uh, for Albany as a sanctuary city for immigrants. How widespread do you think is the support for this sanctuary city concept? Well, I think it's very widespread. Uh, The U.S. Conference of Mayors has issued a statement uh, in support of sanctuary cities. We've received a legal opinion that was done on behalf of the U.S. Conference of Mayors, clearly spelling out uh, what we mean by a sanctuary city and that uh, there are distinctions between the federal government and state governments mm-hmm. and local governments with respect to what our responsibilities are uh, in enforcing immigration laws. And the New York State Attorney General, Eric Schneiderman, has also issued guidance on this. And so I think that there is strong support for making sure that uh, the new president understands that we have laws to enforce at the local level and that the federal government has responsibilities with respect to immigration enforcement and localities that are strapped fiscally to begin with um, and have our own challenges with respect to balancing our budgets should not be forced to take on another role. And in fact, there are legal precedents that forbid us from doing that. Recently, you joined uh, lawyers from the American Civil Liberties Union at uh, the Muslim Community Center for the Capital District, which is in Schenectady, to discuss the effects of the immigration ban on several Muslim-majority countries. What was uh, your message to the local Muslims? Well, you know, it really was stunning to me because I was sitting in a room with scientists and engineers and doctors and professionals and people from all walks of life. And the fear was palpable. The fear that they feel in just their daily lives, going about their daily lives of going to work, going to the grocery store, being out in public. There is significant fear in our Muslim community that has been stoked, I believe, by a lot of the confusion over the ban uh, that the president, the executive order that the president put into place. And so what I said to them was that, you know, Our police are there to protect them, and they should not be afraid to pick up the phone and call the police if they believe that they are being harassed, if they are a victim of a crime, particularly a hate crime, and that we are there to serve 
everybody who is a resident in our city, everybody who comes into our city, and that they shouldn't be afraid to reach out and contact the police. Your message about the the police should be contacted by uh, maybe a targeted group that was different from the, the some of the lawyers were speaking there. They said the police aren't your friends. Well, what the lawyers were talking about is that when the police pull you over, they aren't your friend. Um, and that's true. You know, if I get pulled over, they're not pulling me over to tell me that my husband's done a great wax job on my car. Right. Um, and so I think that it was consistent advice. And when they were they, what they were cautioning is if you are questioned by the police or the FBI, that you need to have a lawyer present, that, that this is this isn't just a friendly conversation. Um, you are being asked to uh, these questions because they suspect that something uh, has occurred, whether it's involving somebody that you know or yourself. And so just like any American uh, should have counsel present if they're questioned by the police and have the right to that, they were stressing that these that, you know, members of the immigrant community have the exact same right. Another uh, topic uh, in the news, uh, cars in Washington Park. There was a fatal car pedestrian accident in Washington Park recently. Motor vehicles and pedestrians share the roads in the park or many of the roads. Is there any way to make the park uh, safer regarding uh, motor vehicles and pedestrians? Well, we certainly are looking at better signage uh, in the park. I think eliminating cars from Washington Park is problematic, although it is absolutely something that we're looking at. Um, We can also look at reducing uh, traffic by uh, finding opportunities for making it one way. Uh, So there are many users of the park. It is a main thoroughfare uh, from uh, the, Mm -hmm. you know, northern part of the city to the hospitals. Mm -hmm. And so we have to look at unintended consequences, but it is something that we're looking at. I do want to stress, though, and it was a tragic, tragic uh, pedestrian accident, but the individual who was uh, struck by a vehicle was lying in the road at the time that that accident occurred. Uh, The, um, you know, the focus that we have with respect to pedestrian crossings and other safety uh, measures that we are going to take probably would not have prevented that accident from occurring, mm-hmm. but we are certainly moving forward uh, with our initiative of working with all users of the park to find ways to slow traffic down and have better signaling there. There was a recent resignation from city government. The city cultural affairs director, Renee Overdyed, I believe. Um, uh, can you uh, comment on that? I really can't. It's a personnel issue. I will say that, you know, um, working in city government is, uh, you know, um, something that I cherish, and I believe it's really important that we have people in roles uh, who are able to uh, serve the public and, and, and do these jobs. Um, and Renee was somebody who was incredibly enthusiastic, and I hope that she continues to be enthusiastic about cultural affairs in the city of Albany. She also teaches, um, and so I think that the um, you know that that's really her passion. And we are looking for a director of cultural affairs to replace her. You've been listening to Talk of the Town with Albany Mayor Kathy Sheehan. You can email your questions for the mayor to ask Kathy with a K at albanyny.gov.